Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. my goodness. It is a gray wintry day here in Vermont and we're coming very close to the end of the year, coming close to Christmas and I'm so pumped for the expansion, the clarity, the healing that I feel is happening. Even when it looks like it's not, I'm still so very, very pumped so I think that's why Spirit gave me the topic, Stop Blocking the Support. Stop Blocking the Support. So let's jump into it, make ourselves super receptive by placing our hand on our heart and taking a breath. Love and gratitude, love and gratitude. This is where we place our attention. We are grateful that God is, that love is that our life is a life of love. So grateful to open ourselves to inspiration, intuition, divine downloads, and divine direction. We are willing to listen to the still, small voice and to recognize it as the voice of that higher Holy Spirit self. We are grateful that we are one with the one. There's nothing outside of us because our life is the life of God. Our very mind is the mind of God. Always has been, always will be. We are grateful that we have given everything in this world all the meaning that it has for us and therefore we can let any meaning that disrupts our peace dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause. So we are grateful to call for healing, to accept it, and to let it be. We share the benefits with all. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. 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 Oh my, yes, yes, yes. So let's jump right into the text here. Chapter 30. Section 5, The Only Purpose. The real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. The only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. So let's just take a breath here, go back to our hand on our heart, closing our eyes, Unless, of course, you're driving. <laughs> and we are allowing ourselves to simply lay on the altar, hand to the Spirit, that higher self, the higher wisdom. Any purpose we've given the world that's not forgiveness. Yes. Just grateful that that's it. That's the purpose of the world. We are here to love and be loved, and that requires our forgiveness. What is forgiveness? It is recognizing we've given everything in the world all the meaning that it has for us, and forgiveness is letting it go. How do we let it go? We give it to the Holy Spirit. I am relinquishing my attachment to the meaning I've made of this. Yes, yes, yes. 
The real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Fear is not its goal, for the escape from guilt becomes its aim. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols, which are sought no longer, for their gifts are not held dear. Now, I know I've said it many times, but people do still ask me frequently, what's an example of an idol? So an idol is where it's anything that's more important than this forgiveness, more important than God, more important than being loving. So an idol obviously could be your body, could be your loved ones, could be your money, your home, your job, any of those things. It just depends on how you hold it in your mind. So everything in the world is symbolic of something. And we have given the world, every symbol in it, all the meaning that it has for us. So I, I was just just been teaching my Forgiven Be Free classes, and which I love to do later in the year to support people and really anchoring into doing the forgiveness before the end of the year. Of course, the turning of the page and the new year, it's all symbolic, but it's a symbol of a new beginning. And many people can go into the last weeks of the year feeling that they didn't meet their goals for the year, that they failed this year, that this year was awful, especially in recent years where there's been so much death and destruction and so much divisiveness, so much anger and hurt and resentment, so much fear. I see all of that activity in the world as the pain pushing people to let go of their attachments to the false idols and to the meaning they've made of things. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols which are sought no longer for their gifts are not held dear. So just thinking of uh, an idol that I've had, the body, uh, pretty much like everybody. <laughs> so I've gone through periods in my life, I can remember starting as a teenager, probably 14, 15 years old, thinking I was fat. And uh, wouldn't I love to be that weight now? I'm the same height. I'd love to be that weight, right? But still thinking I was fat. Oh my gosh. And weighing, you know, 40 pounds less than I do now, but thinking I was fat. And trying to, I remember doing the Beverly Hills diet, you know, all kinds of diets, trying to starve myself. Ugh. Thinking that, and this is what makes it an idol, thinking that if I could get the body to do what I wanted it to do, then I'd be happy. But there are people who their body either naturally or through their efforts is show, being made manifest in the way that I thought I wanted my body to be, but it does not make them happy because it can't. It can't. All it can do is if for a moment we believe that my body is the way I'd like it to be. My body is good enough. There's a temporary cessation, a temporary relief from thinking it's not good. And we've come to think that that temporary relief from thinking it's not good is happiness. But it's not happiness. And it's for sure not joy. So we can't settle for those things anymore. And we put so much into our beliefs about our body or about thinking, if I could just 
be married, if I could just marry this person, if I could just get my spouse to have more sex with me, or if I could just get my spouse to get a better job or stop picking on me, or we have all these things that we think if only we could just get the world to behave the way we'd like it to behave, then I'll be happy. But that is not how this world works. And so the sooner we can stop doing that, the better off we are. In Masterful Living as we're winding up this year, and I'm getting ready to start the new year, which I just love so much. Um, I'm telling everybody who's uh, continuing on into next year, that we are going to put so much focus this coming year on recognizing the truths of A Course in Miracles and really living them, really, I mean, that's what Masterful Living is for anyway, but to really recognize I am not a body. I have one, but I am not a body. I have a personality, but I am not my personality and because I am part of God, there is nothing outside of me. So really focusing our attention on there's nothing outside of me. So that requires us to no longer be a victim for a second in our own mind. No longer blame another person or a situation for our upset to take true and total responsibility. These have always been the goals of all my programs, but I am feeling this doubling down. I'm feeling that people are more willing, myself included, than ever to stick to it day in and day out and to keep calling ourselves back from the blame, the shame, the regret, the resentment, the guilt. And it it does require attention. It brings so much relief, so much benefit, so much joy and freedom and prosperity. It's worth it. So uh, in numerol numerology, uh, 2024 is an eight year. And eight is prosperity. Eight is abundance. Eight is being in the flow of good. And that can only come from this forgiveness, the giving up the false idols. We don't have to give up our relationships. and We don't have to give up having that desire or that intention to have a healthy body or even a body that we feel is attractive. I, I'm not giving up those goals but I do not wish to have them be false idols. I, I'm, I'm really clear. Th these are goals, these are intentions, but what's most important is the awakening, the living in the awareness of the truth, because that's where the peace is, that's where the joy is. So if we just drill down and recognize that all the things that we're trying to do and accomplish in the world, it's all because we think it's going to bring us joy and happiness. You know, we're working, you know, we're working so hard to raise the barrels and the half of my It's not just a surprise, it's just a fact. It's because we're going to bring us the happiness, relief, a sense of safety and security. But safety, security, relief, none of that comes from the world. It just doesn't. It comes from what we think about the world. So seek not to change the world, but to change your mind about the world. doesn't mean you can't have goals about the world. I have many goals about the world. I'd like to buy my own home, but not because I think it's going to bring me safety or even security. My in God is my safety and my security, not in a house, not in a relationship, not in my investments or bank accounts or health. No, my safety is in my awareness of my spiritual identity. 
I'm going to start this paragraph again. The real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Fear is not its goal, for the escape from guilt becomes its aim. The value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols, which are sought no longer, for their gifts are not held dear. No rules are idly set, and no demands are made of anyone or anything to twist and fit into the dream of fear. So this is the thing. When our attention is on trying to twist and fit the world, our relationships, our body, our finances, our work, our family, our friends, into something that we're fitting into our dream of fear, everything that we're doing is just to painfully push us to remember the truth. We don't have to do any of that. It's very, very simple. This is the teaching of A Course in Miracles. So, so simple. A Course in Miracles seems very complex and verbose and all of that's extremely repetitive, saying things a, a hundred different ways, at least. But it's all to say, you don't have to work so hard to make yourself be happy. Let go. Be willing to Listen to the one voice of the Holy Spirit. And that's the thing is, we have taught ourselves not to trust that voice. And to think that our personality, our ego-identified personality, is right. And that what God is asking us of us is suffering and deprivation, Right? The ego thought system is opposite day every minute of every day. So think about um, what happened with the teachings of Jesus after he passed away, after he, uh, well, after he ascended. Let's put it that way. So after he ascended and uh, people took the teachings and over time they corrupted them. And made them opposite. So Jesus was teaching, uh, we're one with God. The Father and I are one. He didn't, uh, of course he didn't mean, but not you. Obviously, we as Course of Miracles students know he would never have said, but not you. But we are one with God. So the Christian interpretation is, no, Jesus was one with God. Jesus is a deity and we are not we are sinners right this is precisely the egoic teaching everybody's a sinner and therefore everybody needs to be punished and everyone needs to atone for their sins but these these are not the teachings of jesus so that's the dream of fear and we have been taught lifetime after lifetime that the path to awakening, to godliness, to the Christ is to be crucified, to suffer, to uh, take a vow of chastity, of poverty, to sleep in a cold room on a hard bed, a stone floor, and be hungry all the time and and just a miserable life. That, that is what we've been taught. And we are casting that off. And it, we don't have to work at casting it off. We just have to be willing to be in that relationship with that still small voice for God and to turn everything over to spirit not trying to figure anything out at the level of the personality. It's just not complicated. I've given everything in this world all the meaning that it has for me. Therefore, I can let it go.
And how do I let it go? I say, Spirit, I'm letting this go. I'm letting this go. That's it. And then when we mean it, the relief comes, the healing comes. This is going to be the 16th year of Masterful Living uh, and the 17th year of my Finding Freedom programs. I see people do it all the time. And then they begin to experience more joy, more peace, more harmony in their relationships. So I know that it works. You can do it. You can do it. Instead, it says here, so no rules are idly set and no demands are made of anyone or anything to twist and fit into the dream of fear. Instead, there's a wish to understand all things created as they really are. And it's recognized that all things must be first forgiven and then understood. So if we look at, for instance, if we look at dis-ease, if we look at a situation where someone has a diagnosis of dis-ease, a prognosis, that has to be forgiven and then it can be understood. So it's like you can't figure out how to drain the swamp from the level of the swamp. Uh, the way I look at it is if I'm in identification with the body, I cannot see through all directions of time and space to recognize what anything is for. I'm never upset for the reason I think. I do not know what anything is for. I've given everything all the meaning that it has for me. Therefore, I can relinquish my attachment to the meaning I gave it and spirit will show me what it's actually for. Holding on to an attachment of meaning that I've given to things that feels painful is upsetting and that's why I'm upset but never for the reason I think. I think I'm upset because I got fired from my job. But if I knew and understood that getting fired from that job was the best thing that's happened to me in my entire life so far, <laughs> if I could see that, right? If I could see through all t directions of time and space, I might recognize that and feel the liberation of it. But as long as I'm upset, it's because the meaning I'm giving it is not correct. That is Course in Miracles 101. As I was preparing for this episode, I started thinking about uh, that first line. The real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. Now, in... I I can tell you, and I, I've talked about this before, I had a dream of being a screenwriter. I was a playwright. I wanted to become a screenwriter, and I moved to California. I got accepted into USC Master Screenwriting Program, the graduate screenwriting program there. It was, you know, we could call it an elite program, um, not a lot of people, lots of specialness, etc. I was very successful there. Um, but Spirit pointed me in the direction of becoming a minister, and I decided to listen to that voice and turn away from the screenwriting. So that was the move that I made. And... I started taking classes at the Agape International Spiritual Center in order to become a licensed science of mind practitioner. And I knew I was on a track to become a minister. I knew it. I could feel it. I knew it. I had thought about going to ministerial school instead of going to graduate screenwriting program. But uh, I made that was my alternate plan. So 
spirit had a different understanding. All writing all of those screenplays was very cathartic and healing for me. So there was nothing lost there, although I'm still paying off those loans. Um, and uh, but what here's here's to me what was so beautiful and so interesting is once I got to the uh, Agape Center, I started taking these classes. I started to get on a path of prayer and contemplation. And that's when my life seriously began to heal. I had been a spiritual student for well over a decade, but it was when I started to go into prayer and contemplation. And then I found... um, uh, my own inner work was directing me to do very much what's in the Course of Miracles lessons, although I didn't know about A Course of Miracles at the time. And it's time for me to take a break, so I'm going to pick this up on the other side of the break. I invite you to go to jenniferhadley.com. If you're interested in joining us for Masterful Living, uh, we've got one more bonus left. New Year Reboot starts on January 6th. I love doing that program. Anyone can do that. And it's a bonus for those in Masterful Living. I'll see you on the flip side here. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. back. Thanks for coming back after that break. I was telling you about uh, becoming a science of mind licensed practitioner from Agape and then going into ministerial school. And as a project in my practitioner training, uh, Agape had, uh, I'm not sure what they're doing now. I, I really don't know about their programs right now, but I was studying to be a practitioner, 98, 99, 2000, and pre-practitioner classes starting 97. So those four years of classes to become a practitioner. And I, I got my license in 2000. And we had all kinds of extra things that were added to the curriculum at Agape. So we had the typical science of mind practitioner curriculum, but we had internships in various ministries. We had, um, including the prayer ministry, extremely focused on being prayerful and understanding science of mind treatment, prayer. And one of the things we did in the last part of the final year of that study was we were in small groups, called them pods, and each pod had to do the visioning work that Michael Beckwith teaches to find the topic and uh, the processes, etc., for putting on a workshop for the community. So that was uh, a project that we had to do in our final part of our practitioner training. So I was in a group with about eight other people, uh, and uh, half of whom are my closest friends today. And we uh, put on a workshop on forgiveness, and that forgiveness topic came through the visioning. And that was really my... Uh, one of my early experiences, not the earliest, but one of the early experiences of me feeling like Jesus was talking with me and telling many of the forgiveness tools that I use still now, all these years, decades later, came from what I intuited during those visioning sessions. And... You know, it's interesting. People often give me uh, wonderful feedback about the tools that I share, but I really don't take any credit for them. 
They aren't anything I thought up from the level of the personality. They are miraculous. They are incredibly effective and simple to understand. And I'm so grateful for that because that's what I'm interested in. I'm not interested in a pathway that's long and intricate. Course in Miracles says that our way is different from that. Our way is about saving time. So we, we can go along this route, and I believe we've all done that in previous lifetimes, but now we used to be in a very, very direct path because, because we are awakening and assisting all humanity in that awakening. So I started teaching forgiveness from that time of that very first workshop that we put on. We did a couple of dry runs of different uh, processes uh, that came through. And yeah, it's interesting now that I'm thinking about it. The processes that came through me uh we immediately saw how successful they were, and I'm still using those today, all of it, really. And offering free forgiveness workshops twice a month through the Power of Love Ministry, and of course, forgiveness is the focus and foundation of every program that I offer because I know what it says here in the Course is true. It says it in so many different ways. But here in this section 5 of chapter 30, the only purpose, the real world is the state of mind in which the only purpose of the world is seen to be forgiveness. So that's the purpose of the world, and we can embody that purpose embody the forgiveness, the non-judgment. We really, really can. And that's what I'm interested in. And that's why I've never tired of offering forgiveness workshops and classes. I see how miraculously it affects people when they let go of their judgments, their complaints, the meaning, the made of things. They experience that liberation that can only come from true forgiveness. And I find it such a disservice to people to tell them, you have to forgive that, or you have to let that go. I was talking about this in class yesterday, because it, unless you're actually going to tell people how to forgive, how to let it go, you're not. you're just confusing them, because the world teaches that forgiveness is saying, oh, that's okay, but I'm sorry. If you have been raped and beaten as a child, it will never, ever be okay. We can, we can release the meaning we made of it. We can let go of our judgments and our complaints about it, but it will never be okay, ever. How could it? That's crazy, right? But the ego is always crazy. So here Jesus comes to teach the world forgiveness, forgiveness and awakening. This is what he comes to teach. And people turn that forgiveness teaching into the opposite of forgiveness. Because if we're saying, oh, it's okay, it's all right, I forgive you, but we're still holding a grievance and a grudge, there's no forgiveness. And in fact, we're just doubling down on how bad and how wrong the others were. And it just increases the sense of separation. It's the opposite of love and compassion. There's no healing in it. There's just punishment for everyone, guilt for everyone. Very, very painful. So that's why it's so important to me is I just, 
I know the benefits of it. Now, here's the thing about my life as just a, an opportunity to learn from it, which I take every day. Until I discovered this practice of true forgiveness, which was well before I started looking at A Course in Miracles, but when I began to really see the value of true forgiveness and start teaching it, right? You teach best what you need to learn. Teach best what you need to learn. Uh, so I, I needed to learn true forgiveness for sure, for sure, for sure, because I was intensely judgmental. And being intensely judgmental, I was also angry a lot of the time. I was angry, I was irritable, I was frustrated. And moving into teaching true forgiveness, by the time I got to A Course in Miracles, I really could understand what it was saying. Because I went to A Course in Miracles when I was finishing up my ministerial step. And I needed to learn that lesson of forgiveness and practice it every minute of every day. And that is for sure the thing that transformed my consciousness and really began setting me free. And it's the only thing I know that does that. So in this first paragraph of The Only Purpose, the value of forgiveness is perceived and takes the place of idols which are sought no longer for their gifts are not held dear. No rules are idly set. This is in the real world. No rules are idly set and no demands are made of anyone or anything to twist and fit into the dream of fear. So we're not trying in the real world, we're not trying to mold ourselves into the dream of fear so that we can feel good inside the dream of fear. We're casting off the dream of fear. This is what we can do in our waking life. We can live in the real world in our waking life. And this is what I feel that I'm doing is living in the real world and putting my attention on living a life I love and enjoy, sharing it with people I love and enjoy, and supporting people in making this same transition into the real world. And for me, every day it's a discovery. Every day it's an ad adventure in consciousness. And it's extremely fulfilling. And this is why I love training prayer practitioners and spiritual counselors so that they can do the same and experience the thrill of it. And, oh my God, I, I, I never imagined life could really be this good, this peaceful, this harmonious. And... For me, my goals have really shifted and changed. And still, I have all kinds of goals in the world and goals like I'd like to own my own home and I'd like to uh, really perfect my pumpkin pie recipe and <laughs> Just things like that. Train, keep training Bodhi, my dog, to doing a few more things. I'm training Sattva, my cat, to do a few things. Of course, I have goals in the world. And why not? They don't take away anything from my spiritual life and practice because our spiritual practice is working at the level of the mind. So being in the world, uh, the householder, as Buddha called it, uh, that middle way is the pathway of awakening and healing. So when we're living our life, that's when we can best practice working at the level of the mind.
So paragraph two, here in, the, in, in this uh, experience of the dream world, the false world, here it is thought that understanding is acquired by attack. Hmm. There, in the real world, it is clear that by attack is understanding lost. So when we go into attack, we're not in our right mind. We don't have clarity. The folly of pursuing guilt as goal is fully recognized. And idols are not wanted there. For guilt is understood as the sole cause of pain in any form. So pain is a wrong perspective. Lesson 190. Guilt is the cause of all pain. It's the cause of all illness. It's the cause of all suffering. This is why forgiveness is the release from all pain and suffering. It doesn't get any clearer than that. Now what I find, what I find is that most people, most people who, are who are spiritual students are willing to read books about this, they're willing to read the lessons, not necessarily do the lessons, but read them, enjoy reading them, discussing them, and people are, are happy to listen to videos and go to classes and audios and podcasts like this one, but that's not doing the work. It's helpful. It inspires us to do the work. But reading books isn't healing. Collecting information isn't healing. I proved it. It wasn't until I really began to pray and to be in contemplation and practice the true forgiveness that I'm talking about here and that I teach about until I began to really do those things as part of my spiritual practice, and then actually working the lessons of A Course in Miracles. And I began working the lessons of A Course in Miracles, not knowing that's what I was doing when I was practicing uh, nonviolence, <clears throat> cultivating my personal practice of nonviolence. Because I started teaching about the personal practice of nonviolence uh, 1997-98. And to me, that was exactly like uh, working the lessons of A Course in Miracles, especially in, for me in combination with the teachings of Ernest Holmes, because Ernest Holmes' Science of Mind teachings explain that this is a dream world and that we've given everything in the world all the meaning that it has for us. And uh, uh, m most and many of the same principles that uh, Ernest Holmes taught are in A Course in Miracles. And of course, he preceded A Course in Miracles. So he was a great introduction for a lot of people to A Course in Miracles. Same with the teachings of Charles and Myrtle Fillmore. The Fillmores were the Unity Church founders and, of course, they got a lot of their teachings from Emma Curtis Hopkins, who was a student of Mary Baker Eddy, and Emma Curtis Hopkins was also the teacher of Ernest Holmes. And as I love to say, you can trace Emma Curtis Hopkins back to Mary Baker Eddy, but you can trace Mary Baker Eddy back to Phineas Quimby. And Quimby, you can trace back to Jesus. So there you go. Um, I find it interesting, fascinating, and comforting. <laughs> All right. So in the real world, the folly of pursuing guilt as a goal is fully recognized, and idols are not wanted there. For guilt is understood as the sole cause of pain in any form. No one is tempted by its vain appeal. For suffering and death have been perceived as things not wanted and not striven for. The possibility of freedom has been grasped and welcomed, 
and the means by which it can be gained can now be understood. The world becomes a place of hope because its only purpose is to be a place where hope of happiness can be fulfilled. And no one stands outside this hope because the world has been united. In belief, the purpose of the world is one which all must share if hope be more than just a dream. We're moving the consciousness of the human race in this direction. So the most important thing is to focus on forgiveness because that is the method of undoing the unconscious guilt. What I find now in my experience is that from time to time, I, I, I could be unkind. I could be selfish or something like that. I see so little of that now in my experience, but I, boy, it used to be every day. <laughs> so much of that, truly. I don't mind saying I was so self focused and I'm, I'm still self-focused. I live alone right now uh, and uh, I don't wish to be single. Uh, it's just how it is right now and I'm not choosing to lead a nun or a monk's life at all uh, but I am in my, I work at home and I live by myself. I love to have company. I have frequent guests and but I don't find myself being selfish with my guests. <clears throat> I don't find myself uh, being annoyed or frustrated with my guests. In fact, um, I, I've had experience in recent times with guests staying in my home. And sometimes I invite people to come and stay that I don't know very well, but they're coming to the area for teachings with my teacher and things like that. And um, sometimes they can annoy each other and they might come to me and say, can you ask them to do this or that? Or I, I feel like, oh, they're um, doing this or that that I, I don't really like and I don't think they really see what they're doing. And I look at them and I say, I get that their personality irks you. And they're like, it doesn't bother you. I say, it doesn't. I just notice their behavior. And it's not hurting me at all. But if I think that their behavior should be different, then I will feel bothered. But their behavior comes from the ways in which they were traumatized in their life. And so I can have compassion for that. And so what I know, having worked for decades now with people who have been traumatized, and most people have, the way to heal the trauma responses and the trauma-induced behavior is to love them, have compassion for them, have understanding. That is what heals people's dysfunction. Not asking, I mean, yeah, I mean, if somebody is leaving a mess all over the floor, you can say, hey, please clean up your mess. I'm not talking about things like that. I'm talking about people don't like that someone's talking a lot or asking a lot of questions or things like that. Um, laughing really loudly. I'm just trying to think of anything that anybody's ever been bothered by that has to do with how a person is just being, really. Uh, some people have nervous habits. Some people are kind of irritable. But to chastise them for that or try to change their behavior, it's not helpful to them. 
but loving them right where they are, accepting them right where they are. That's helpful to them. That's healing. So when we, and that's also a practice of forgiveness. It's also a practice of forgiveness, being loving, being compassionate. Now, one of the most helpful things to understand that is a, 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 a true pathway out of hell and the pain of guilt is, and by the way, I started to say, I don't feel guilty anymore if I'm a little selfish or uh, I see, oh, that was kind of a sarcastic remark. Oh, I must be feeling a little irritated or something. I don't feel guilty. I can own it. I can take responsibility for it but I do not feel guilty. I notice that about myself, and I know that is the byproduct of doing this massive quantity of forgiveness work. Now, doing this shift in my thinking, no question it was the hardest thing I've ever done, but, it was, but the thought of having to continue to live the way I was living and think the way I was thinking and feel the way I was thinking Oh my God, if, if it were a hundred times harder, it still would be worth it not to be living in that mindset anymore. So this is why I constantly talk about the relief of doing this work. I don't feel guilty anymore about anything. Maybe little tinges here and there, but not very often. And it's a complete life change. And it's possible, it's doable for us. We have what it takes. I always thought I didn't, but this is what I know now. We all have what it takes. Because we are of God and the Christ is within. If we give it to spirit to accomplish it within us, and we just simply are willing, 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 it will be done. It will be accomplished. Jesus tells us in the course, we're all going to get there. It's just a matter of willingness. There's nothing more complicated than that. But many people think they're willing and they aren't actually willing. They say they're willing, but when the opportunity comes to be loving and compassionate, they don't. That's not willingness. And that was me but it's not anymore. That's all the time I've got. Oh my goodness. I'm going to speak a word of prayer here and come join me in Masterful Living 2024. We are going to throw it down. So much healing. I'd love to have you with us. We're taking that breath of love and gratitude and we're saying yes to the end of guilt and yes to true forgiveness sharing the benefits with all we let it be so it is amen amen amen